Dutch is a lifelong early adopter and trend discoverer. Chris is a philosopher, engineer, and futurist. Together, they are oddly incorrect. Hey, hey. Bing bong. No doorbell today. <clears throat> okay, I got you. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you, but I don't hear any doorbell. Where's the doorbell? I don't hear you. You don't hear what? Well, usually there's like a doorbell that indicates Hello? that you've do joined the call, but for some reason it's. Ah, they keep changing the damn thing. How's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Ah, sucks. Life sucks. Life sucks, yeah. <laughs> so, have you, so have you had the cold that's going on or whatever? Boy, man, whatever hit, it hit a lot of people and it's pretty much the same thing. It's the COVID. So if you haven't the COVID. It, the COVID. No, not the COVID. The cold or the, for me, I believe mm -hmm. it was, was um, a bronchial infection. No, no, I have not had that. I have okay. not had that because, well, you know, I'm like a hermit in here. <laughs> well, I, I was other than other than when I flew to Texas, I was a, I'm pretty much a hermit. I don't ever go anywhere. Are you sure? It must be. It was. It was being such close proximity to all those other people on the plane. Yeah, that's what it my is. My immune system. I, here, I was thinking I was building an immune system with all this stuff, and yeah. I got there. Boy, did it wipe me on my butt. I'm well, you know why, kid. right? That's because of the. Uh, because you didn't expose yourself, right? Well, of course you not. You need to expose yourself on the plane. <laughs> of course, then you would have gotten thrown off the plane. But well, uh... <laughs> I was I was on Southwest, so guess what? I was they had no mask. I I, I don't remember anybody. I don't know. I'm sure there was somebody wearing a mask. No, I didn't see many. anybody. Yeah, we went to um, Orange County for the weekend, and there was nobody wearing a mask anywhere. Well, not on the plane, but in the in the. Anyway. Uh, airport some people were wearing oh, okay. masks yeah cool cool you went to orange county wow yeah going down there to the conservative route huh <laughs> no my uh my best man <laughs> was in town and we no, I, we i hardly ever get to see him because they all everyone lives in canada right right and he works his company does uh controls for the manufacturing industry and mm -hmm. he's having trouble finding people to work for him and uh, people who are reasonable and decent so he's ended up having to step up and do a lot of the work himself so he has a client in buena park uh down there and he said yeah. oh i'm gonna be down there this weekend can we meet up and i said sure so we flew down uh for the weekend and uh met up with him went to a taylor steakhouse it was really good it was fun i hadn't seen him in such a long time it was uh it was great but it's, uh, always, it's good to visit those old friends because my normal Christmas routine is I have I have a couple of longtime friends. That I, one of them I need to call and find out what the hell is going on. Because uh, Brett and I meet have met up uh, probably 10, 10, 12 years in a row. Mm -hmm. Lisa and I always meet up except from last, since COVID, and she's like not, not doing anything. Mm -hmm. We went, and this is the second year in a row that I was there. Um. Let me see if I want to say that right. This is the second trip in a row um, that she didn't make. She didn't meet up. I don't want to say make the effort, but something's going on. So I'm going to have to have to bite the bullet and say what what's happening. So, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. You know, as an introvert, I just love to do that. <laughs> what's stir, the problem? Stir, I don't stir up the shit. That's your problem. I, I want to know your problem. There's no problem with me because I'm an introvert. I don't do anything wrong. <laughs> That's right. You never do anything wrong. Well, what do you, yeah. you keep? Keep. I mean, I told you, like, I'm looking at all this longevity stuff. I've been looking into it for a while, and they're all saying the same thing. You know, you gotta, you gotta eat. You gotta, you gotta be thin. You gotta eat like yeah. properly. And then yeah. you have to be surrounded by friends and you have to do a lot of exercising. And, you know, they point out those places like Ikaria and Okinawa and uh, the blue zones, they call them. Your Belinda yeah, I think yeah, is yeah. one I'm of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the blue zones. You, yeah, you yeah. mentioned them, but I was already familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. So if you do all this stuff, you're going to live a long time. <laughs> to do what? 
To do what? What are you going to do? The living is... See, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, hit, I'm hitting a wall, Chris. I, I've mm -hmm. never really... I've never hit a wall. Like, what the hell to do with myself? I mean, I've always been curious enough. My curiosity is is carried me, but I'm I'm getting to the point. I'm looking. I was, last night I was looking at the local uh, junior college offerings for like continuing education, mm -hmm. and they're all there. Uh, did you know about the learning annex when it was in San Francisco? Oh yeah, we had one of those in Canada. We had one of those in Toronto. Did you? Oh yeah, oh, yeah you did. You did. I love those things, and and I went to them quite a bit. I had some some very interesting experiences at, at at one of them. At least one of them is a, is my one of my quintessential California tales. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think I've ever told it to you, but we haven't ever had a really good reason for me to tell it to you. But at some point, if you're if we're kind of on Slack for a conversation, this is this is one of them. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the I'm thing. Telling. It's like, but sometimes I, th I think to myself, what are we just, what are we doing? Right? What are we doing? Well, what I'm always, I'm always filling the time. I'm, just, you know, I'm, no, but that's what we're I'm, doing. We're just filling in the time, yeah, right? Some exactly. people are, some people are watching TV. Some people are, are reading. Some people, will, but what are you going to do with it? That's the thing, right? I mean, what, what do you, what are you actually going to end up doing with it? It's like, I think to myself, okay, I have probably a thousand books. Yeah. I think I told you this before, but I used to have a library full of books that I'd read. Now I have a library yeah. full of books that I haven't read. And right. I'm like, when am I going to read these things? I yeah. mean, when I, when, when I retire, when am I like, am I actually going to read this? Okay. And then, and then once I read it, what's the point of me reading it? I mean, okay. it's just okay. to pass okay. the time, that's right? That's a good question. That's a good <laughs> question. And that's a, that's a relevant question because I got the same problem. I yeah. had my sister, excuse me. When I left California in 2004, three, 2004, um, I, I sent books home to my sister because there were books. I, I'm like, okay, I wasn't, I don't, I don't know that I had a thousand books, but I had a, I had a library mm -hmm. that I was, that I was kind of keeping up. I'd go to book sales and, and library sales and all that kind of stuff and, and cold stuff that I thought, oh, well, this would be a good reference book. Okay, well, my my thing is reference books, but I got the internet now. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, I don't need any. I don't need reference books, but mm -hmm. I have them anyway. I don't understand that, but I mm -hmm. have them mm -hmm. because I come across a subject that I don't ever forget the subject, but. Is I just don't I read the book and then I kind of figure out what the gist of the whole thing is. I don't think I I haven't finished the book in years. Mm -hmm. I really I, well, that's not true. I just finished the Bible for the second time, mm -hmm. but that's the only one in in years that I've I've read all the way through to the mm -hmm. last page. And um, so I had the what I'm trying to get to is I think I'm going to develop some of my mental energy to put together a course to go to this local college and do that as kind of my marketing strategy. I think it's, I've talked to you about this course before, but I haven't, I really haven't buckled down to do it because I think it's so abstract that I'm like, okay, I, don't, I really, what the hell am I talking about? What's the so, course? What's the course? It's the, it's the course on questioning. Uh, questioning. Um, I mean, you know, like rhetorical questioning and Socratic questioning, and I love that. Uh, that sounds fascinating. Why wouldn't it, you it, want to take it something is fascinating. like that? Why wouldn't I want to do? Because it's very. Who's an expert? I mean, there's a there's a guy up in. I think he was. I think he's Canadian. Name. John Saborski, and he was like the guru for the television uh, interviewers. Mm -hmm. He's got a method called the Saborski method. Mm -hmm. Well, from what I can understand, you only get to see this method in person. There is mm -hmm. no anything that I've, I've found, maybe videos and stuff about it, but that's it. And I'm like, this is a this would be a good thing to add to my course. And I'm thinking this is my uh, 
my uh what do you call it uh the the syndrome in the valley where you're trying to perfect your thing before you let it out of the garage Mm. um you know what i'm talking about i know Yeah, you do yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know what and it's called. i'm it's got a it's got a it's got a name the or maybe it's the garage syndrome or something like that where You're tinkering around. You're 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 dressing it up. I, I worked with a guy a long time ago. I said, "Look, man, you got to put it out. You don't have to put the Sunday go to meet and close on the thing. Yeah, You got yeah. to go out there and get the feedback, you know, Yeah. and find out what's working." Well, I'm not doing that. So, I know from from asking a couple of people. Uh, about the course that they oh this would be fascinating why don't you do that well because it's an abstraction that I don't want to deal with Mm. that's why because the one I, I can tell you have you ever spent time thinking about what 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 is what you can't get anything about <laughs> what And and I have my you own you try thing you about conceptualizing what? Yeah, Right. I mean, Okay. not even conceptualizing, operationalizing. What Mm-hmm. is it? I mean, you have to use a damn word for even ask the question. <laughs> the essence You of see a thing. my conundrum. I have a problem. So, but I'm going to I'm going to make an effort to go through that. There's there's several books that I've collected over the years that have to do with questioning. And I'm going to I'm get I'm going to set a goal probably starting in February. I'm not going to do it now. My nose is all messed up, and I just I'm I'm still coming out of this thing. Um, to put together a course and and do something with it. And so that's that's I haven't had a goal like that in a long time because all my courses suck. I mean, they everybody love. I mean, everybody loves the idea, but whenever they come out, they're awful. But What are you talking here's about? the thing: Why would they be awful? I don't understand. because I'm terrible at course design. That's why. Oh, you are? Why? Well, have I sold a course? Never. Uh-huh. I even put something out there on resume on 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 a on a Udemy about. Um, let me see what it's it's the. I'm going to use Resumex. It's not called that anymore, but it's 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 a it's the HR thing, algorithms and all that stuff that gets Resumex. me selected to get I used on to the work desk. for those guys. You really? really? Yeah. I need to tap into you then. Anyway, <laughs> because together we could probably come up with a oh pretty my good god, course. that's hilarious! It's not. So, You really actually did work. Did you? How did okay, you know about so resumes? so we're in it, so we might as well talk about it just a little bit. When I was at NASA, uh, the HR department, the hiring group, I did I did some OD work with that group. They were having some internal conflicts and stuff, so I got to know them pretty well. And they were telling me about how you know how the how the work went, and you know they, what they told me was is that they have a system, resume tracking system or something, Mm-hmm. Yeah, or resumex. applicant tracking. No, no, Applica uh, it's applicant applicant tracking tracking software. system. Yeah, Yeah, that's what they call it now. And how it works. And kind of, they kind of gave me the innards of how, how they process this. It sounds like to me it's the biggest waste of time. It's a time saver and the biggest waste of time because it's, it doesn't help the, the job seeker get any better. It just helps them save time. Anyway, Yep, I went yep. into it and put my head together and said, okay, If you're going to gain this thing, what you need to do, or and this is my theory, this is a major theory for me, is you go out there and you do the research on your job, um, on the job profiles that are being put up. Yeah, the job So description. you, right, the job description that you're applying to. Okay, now the thing is, the software soft, is smart enough to know that you're copying and pasting this stuff in. are moving the phrases around. So you have to have a sample size to go in there and write your resume from that is not using that software to to keyword it Mm uh, -hmm. or score it, score is what I'm talking about. So I went out and figured out that you, you go get about three, three to five job descriptions 
in a similar area, you know, like um, if you're wanting to go to work for eBay, then you want to go, um, let's see, what, um, uh, like, Etsy or something like that, you know. So, so don't you go to the eBay know, career site and pull in some you pull GDs. in a couple. You pull in a couple, but you're going. Your your goal is to go to eBay. So you've got to go. Uh, you've got to think outside of eBay. That is kind of the same thing, mm. and see if they have any job openings posted for your position. That is kind of like it would be at eBay, and you take the keywords that are already machine keyed and rewrite your resume with that. And you, but you use say so, but you rewrite it posted based on the job that you're looking for, or right, a certain right, set right, of right. jobs. Okay. So what you're doing is you're you're looking at the artificial intelligence of other machines, uh, probably other software, maybe the same software, but it's not that company's version of that software. So you're not going in exactly copying everything. You're just using the keywords that are that are probably scored very highly. Oh, okay. So you're saying that I don't go to an eBay job description. I go to an Etsy job description or something similar, right. like a similar company, similar role. Right. And you go. Exactly. So if I was a technical project manager, I see technical project manager role on eBay site. I don't use that job description. I go find another technical project manager role description. I use that to apply to the eBay one. Uh, kind of. You got you're you're really close because mm -hmm. you do you do that two or three times and then use that small sample size to write to your job uh, your resume to the eBay job description. Right. Because you want to score as high as possible, but you do not want to look like you're copying and pasting. Mm. As a, from what I got from the from the HR people is. So many people do that, and they just they look at it and say, "Okay, you know, you're gone because you're a plagiarist." So I'm plagiarizing, but I'm plagiarizing um, in a different system. I'm not sure I can. Well, you see, it's funny you should say that because uh, pretty much everything is ATS driven now. I mean, back then right. there was only a few companies right, that were right. using ATSs, and now everyone is using ATSs. And I had uh, a brush with a company that wanted to work for the job seekers. It was actually mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, guys, the guys, the company was called JobGator. Yeah. And the way it worked is that you could point it at a job description and it would pull out the relevant stuff, but then right. you would have to create the resume. Yeah. It's and I said... Thing. I said, you know, that's great, but wouldn't it be better if you could just have it generate a resume based on the job description every time so you could have a customized resume? Because this is the biggest pain point for people, for job seekers, right? Is that you're right. supposed to customize your resume for every damn job. But if you're applying to 100 jobs a week, that is a hell of a lot of work, right? It is. So why not have a tool? that basically points, like you point it to a job description, say, this is the job I want to do. It goes out and looks at all the similar, see, now that you've given me the idea of looking at other similar job descriptions, but not right. job descriptions from that company, look at similar job descriptions and then press a button to go, boom, this is a resume written specifically for that job description and designed to bypass ATSs. And this is what I told the guy. I said, this is what you need to do. You know, forget what you're doing. Work on this. And he goes, no, no, no. That's too far out for us. We can't do it. And then they died. <laughs> so well, he's like, they didn't listen to me, so they died. <laughs> well, so, so you're getting the thing is you want to score high as high as possible. You do not want to score any, any level of copy and paste. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the mm -hmm. algorithms can figure that out. And I may did not did not offer you to give you this course. I think it's still on it's still on Udemy. They they wanted they um they, uh, the marketing on this was so regimented. I'm like, 
this is not going to work because it's on Udemy. Of... You have a course on yeah. Udemy. Yeah. Oh, I never. I, I think I made fifteen dollars. What's it called? It's called uh, Escape the Escape the Black Hole of the ATS or African Tracking System or something like that. It, this thing is like eight years old, seven seven years old. No, and it's not. It it seems like there, a very. It's, I I think I still have it, but I, I have where I send out links. You need to do a better uh, job of marketing that man because I think it no would... kidding. <laughs> you know this is this is the thing that made me pull my hair out because they were the gra See, I was putting it all in the graphic because I had escaped the black hole, a resume coming out of the black hole because mm -hmm. that's what we think happens it goes to the black hole we never hear anything we don't know anything yep yep um and i thought well that's a perfect metaphor it's exactly what i'm trying to do and i i talked about you know i had some videos i found other videos you for somehow and reason you can you can take segments of videos and put them in your udemy courses mm -hmm. and you and it's like it's like finding a book and you just read the words. For some reason, that's not plagiarism, but, you know, it is. <laughs> but then I decided, so there's all kinds of psychological crap happening to me. And I'm like, okay, um, you stood up in front of a class and never said a single solid original thought of your own for a, for a year at college level. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think I could probably pull this off. Yeah, <laughs> because this, how can it be plagiarism if you're, you know, you're you're talking about a theory of of mass media or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah, and yeah. and you 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 have kind of a license to do that. Well, right? let, let let me let me let, so for example, I took a product digital product management course mm -hmm. on Coursera. I think it was. Yeah. And the the professor was from UVA, right? right? And literally, the entire thing was cobbled together from other sources. Right. The entire he just cobbled it all together, and he created maybe one original graph, one original chart. He created one original chart, and then everything else was copyright this, copyright this, copyright this, copyright this. Like, okay, he's just you just cobbled together all this stuff from other people, right. and only provided one unique thing, and you're able to you know sell this course. And I'm like, wow, that's that's the way to do it, I guess, right? But the the thing, this is the problem with all of this content creation. It's the same everywhere is that they all tell you oh you're going to be a multi-millionaire just by creating courses and or you're going to be a multi-millionaire just by writing book uh ebooks or you're going to be a multi-millionaire but only if you write books like them talking about selling stuff and making money and well, even it's, a, then, it's a total scam it is a you're almost there it's, you you have you you the course they never talk about the course they created that is selling you the course that they're that they exactly that exactly. the course they created that is the meta course which you and I both love the meta course is the one about selling the course that they yep. created to sell yeah and, and that's, that's the, the course, course that they that make money the on money. yes that's <laughs> the one I got it. It's but always I mean, the same. I mean, it's always the same thing. It's always the same thing. Is that and uh, it's funny because it's kind of like uh, I, I get approached. I get cold emails and stuff all the time from all these companies marketing. They're pitching sales. They're selling sales, and right. they talk about how successful they are selling sales. And I'm like, yeah, you're successful selling sales because you're selling sales. You're telling people I can double or increase, or triple or quadruple your income, right? But the thing that you're selling is more selling. You're not selling. Like the the reason why people They're are buying similar. your course. Yeah, the people are buying your course because they have a hope to that they're going to increase their own sales. Oh man! But then you, well then you take you said the word hopium. Yes, big time hopium. We, so we, go ahead. Yeah, so they say, uh, you know, uh, we were able to fill our calendar with meetings, right? Well, what were you pitching, right? You were pitching. It doesn't matter. A better it way to sell. 
The, right? the thing uh, they wanted to do is fill their calendar with meetings. It doesn't yeah. matter whether it's sales. So they never talk about um, what most people will look at. It says, what, what's your, um, what do they call it? It's a percentage of, of um, conversion. That's it. Course conversion. Yep. You know, how many people, you have so many people come in from webinar. This goes back to that course. That I was talking about the conversion course. I I need to pull that out and send it. If I haven't sent it to you, I've talked. We talked about it. You wrote that about is it's about. Let me see how I can say this thing. It's about how you look at each step of the funnel and how many how many numbers you have to get before your conversion starts working for you. Right. So you start off with let's say you start off with 100 people, and your conversion starts working at two percent. So you got to have two sales out of 100. So they to actually make money, you have to multiply that 100 by this number, yeah. whatever that number is. Yeah. yeah. Whatever your number is, how much money do you want to make? Because supposedly that's how marketing works. Yeah. You, yeah. It, you want to tell me that I, if you want to make $5,000 on a course that sells for 50, you got to sell what, a uh, hundred of them? Yeah. Yeah. So you got to sell a hundred. Well, conversion rate at 2%, then you've got to have 50,000 people in the funnel mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I have all this worked out in a spreadsheet. I mean, from there to there to there to the next level. To the next level, and you're and the drop offs that you're going to probably or should be anticipating, and you know, and the price increases and all the stuff that goes along with it. Yep, it's a very detailed thing. It took me forever. I don't ever want to see the damn thing again, <laughs> but because it's it was, it was so numbers driven, and I hated having to sit there and do all my calculations and run the tests and all that kind of crap because I hate that. shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> that that punctuated it exactly. But I need to give you and I, you and I have talked about this thing before, and I think I mentioned. I know I've mentioned it before, and I think I was going to send it to you, and maybe, and we were going to talk about it. I don't know that we ever. I don't well, think we I mean, ever really called that. This anyway, is, this, go ahead. This is a sales course, right? That's what it is, isn't Kinda. it? Kinda. Yeah. Um, it's a probably a sales management course because it talks it talks about you have to have your target audience you have to pull in so many people to meet your numbers uh, I don't I don't use I don't ever use that term but it's in there you have to meet this number before you even do the second the next step right because you need the numbers high enough so that and this is it's like uh, a big part of it is scope and scale, and scale is a big part. But part of it is scope. You know, you, you you're going to narrow your scope. You got to increase your scale mm -hmm. because that's how it works. And it's, that's how I think it works anyway. So I guess I need to dig it up. But I, the reason I'm talking about it now is because it's going to probably be a part of the question course. Mm. Because the question course is like you got to you got the introductory questions, you know, like who, when, what, where, why, that, and how, and all those things. Those are really like freebie things, bread and butter stuff. Mm -hmm. Once you start getting into what each one of those means, now we're into the meat of the course. Mm. I'm not going to do that on a freebie course because I'm I'm struggling with what and I've been struggling with what for over ten years. <laughs> the rest of them I'm all, I'm in pretty good shape and I found a book. There's a believe it or not, I found the book, but I can't read the damn thing. Why? Because I don't understand what all the symbols mean. <laughs> I've had this happen a couple of times. I I'm giving some. Oh, that's that's really cool. And I'll get into it, and there's some kind of logical system that they're using that I cannot interpret, and they don't give you a key, so you can't figure it out. Mm. It's like an ins. It's if you're an insider, you will you will understand uh, what that's, this means. That's annoying. Yeah, that's a pain. It is a pain. So anyway, 
back to that is I'm going to set a, a goal, which I, I hate goals too, but I'm set a goal to do the question course mm-hmm. uh, at least maybe the, at least two, maybe three levels. So that'll be the who, when, what, where, why, the five questions, and then it'll go into those at a little depth, and that's probably the bread and butter course, and then it'll be the specialty course way down in there. It really breaks it down. Mm. Uh, Maybe going in even into um, Socratic questions. And Socratic questions are already broken out. You can find them anywhere, but Mm -hmm. very few. I think what I'm looking at for that is a mastermind to group to break into the Socratic questions. Mm. We, we kind of, you and I talked about this last week. Yeah. What's happening. Uh, we, we should do that. What, what, I mean, what would be the best forum oh, or something like that? Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, you remember Eric McTaxis? Yeah. He's, okay, he's, he's my brother. From, he's the brother from another mother. From another mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sitting here with this big stupid grin on my face walking around the house last night. He is so funny. Um, where he got in it, he's, he mentioned he went to Yale. I went, well, hell, man, this guy's really funny. I never found a, a, a comedian from Yale, but he is really funny about how he does this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's good. And he's I told you, he's the same with, age as me, right? He's exactly the same age as me. Is he exactly the same age? Well, I know he's I know he's younger than me. I think. He's 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 yeah he's the same age as me. He's like the child of a Greek immigrant parents. It's right. Exactly, it's like I said, he's a brother from another mother. <laughs> so his, the guy I can't remember his guy's first name, but he's he's like a Eric. science fiction writer. Okay. No, not I know Eric, but uh, okay. His name is last name is Kaplan, and mm-hmm. he's a science fiction writer. And he was interviewing him last night about. How he how he found God late in life, like in mm-hmm. his 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. and he's he's talking. He's, uh, so Kaplan's telling me, says, "I taught myself how to read Greek." And Kaplan's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And Eric says, "Wait, um, you don't think that's impressive? <laughs> I I I speak I read Greek, but you taught yourself Greek." <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's on YouTube. I found it yesterday. Last oh, and he's great. I love Nick He's fu- he's so funny. He's great. He is. And I mean, well, he does that thing, Socrates great? in the city, right? Socrates yeah, right. in the city. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And the the wouldn't it be great to have the crowd that he has? And oh yeah, that's kind of what you and I are talking about. How, yeah. But he's built that thing probably over years. Well, the guy's a radio host, passion. you know. He's a radio. Oh host. yeah, I, I knew that. Uh, we've I've listened to a few of his podcasts, so yeah, I, I knew that. But I, this is how I found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I both, I think I told you about him, and you said you knew about his podcast or something like that. Yeah, and I didn't know about his podcast. So, well, it's anyway. kind of like it's interesting that uh, it's still it still requires traditional media for people to get huge audiences. I think right because. If you think about the sort of the democratized media like YouTube and stuff like that, how many of those people really, how many of those people were really discovered and became super famous through that channel? No, not that many, right? I mean, most people still made their way through traditional media channels, right? Face to face and all that kind of. I mean, even Joe Rogan did it with. Joe Rogan was. There, he was a, he was Joe a Rogan kind of did it as uh, I mean he started off as a stand-up comic. Then yeah, he wasn't he an, an MMA fighter or something at one point? Was I, that I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know that. I, no, I see that's the thing. That's the thing that I found very interesting is that a lot of these people who are in the spotlight now had some success in some other domain. Right. So they had some success in some other domain and became known for that success in that domain. And then they just transferred it. Leveraged it. Yeah. They leveraged leveraged it it to be successful in a different domain. So it's almost like when you see these people and you go to your, you go to yourself, well, how did they get, you know, they never got there. They never got there because of where they were now. They got there because of something else that they did previously. Right. And, and they get, they were successful in that specific domain. So, it's like you can't just go straight to that, <laughs> right? You got to so, be successful so in something else. <laughs> what you're what you're saying is, 
don't focus 10,000 hours on doing anything, one thing, any one thing. Get yeah. to where you can get to where you want to go. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Rogan didn't have any idea he was going to end up with a talk show. I, I, I oh, no I'm idea. sure of it. I'm sure of um, it. Uh, last night, which one was it? Um, I think Stephen Tur- Dr. Stephen Turley was talking about Rogan last night using Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Peterson is talking about what Rogan's done. And it's almost to the point where Spotify can't, they can't really cancel him because he would have his own platform again mm-hmm. in two to three days. That's two. The audience is, um, well, Trump used to use it too. It's yep. too big to fail. Yep. I, I remember when I first, what? Too big to fail? What does that mean? Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, what, is, what does he exactly do? He's just, he just acts like every man. Like right. every every like every man with no he's like, clue. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, he's like like Larry King. Larry King always talked about he did no show prep. Yeah, he just went in there and and um, uh, Charlie was talking about somebody on um, MSNBC or CNN really pissed because he just goes in there and wings it, doesn't do any fact checking, none of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Charlie Tar- makes a really good. I recommend this one. Charlie says Joe Rogan has an a build has built an audience of tw- of ten twenty million people. Mm-hmm. He built it. He and they trust him. They know he's going to make mistakes. He makes mistakes. That's not perfection. Is not the goal here. It's it's a much more messy. Under- he's he acts the regular Joe. Yeah. In front of these, you know, all of these interesting people, right? right. So it's kind of like it's kind of like you, as the audience member, put yourself in that position. You're like him, right? Uh, asking stupid it's, questions yeah. and stuff like that is like it's identification. It's, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The yeah. movie people exactly. We, we identify with Joe Rogan because that's the attraction. Is mm-hmm. he's me? Is, he's is, he acts like a regular not, guy. He, he's me. That's yeah. that's the thing. Exactly. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I. But that kind of goes to the questioning course too. Is if I, I would like to think that you would be able to get to the, que- uh, questioning methodology. But questioning is one of those things that kind of does not go a straight line. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not a deductive. It's not a deductive topic mm. it's more uh what not deductive what's it not um not intuitive what's the other one uh deductive and inductive inductive it's an seductive? inductive process <laughs> no well it's that too uh because it seduced me this this course has been in my mind for over five years wow and and uh, so i was going to tell you i found a book that there's an actual topic about questions. Oh. And it's called Erstics, I think so. Erstics? E R E R S T I C or something like that. And this is in the logical and this is the book I have that I can't read. E R S T I C S? I think that's it. Wow. I've never heard of that. I never knew. I mean I it took me like four years to get to that. So <laughs> but at some point, I, I said, somebody's got a theory of it somewhere. We have a theory on everything. Why mm. wouldn't we have a theory of questions? No, oh, we we absolutely have a theory on questions. No, we, we have a com- we have a common understanding of the theory of questions, but mm. not a systematic hmm. theory Why that not? I've been able to discover. Um, going back to that Sororsky guy, he's got a theory of questioning. Mm-hmm. There is there's something called motivational interviews, which is a while it sounds like it's business related, it's it is more about uh, psychology and psychiatry. Motivational, motivational interviews. interviews. And what do you sp- what happens in that? In like what are the what are the results or what are you supposed to get out of it? So you, oh God, you're doing, you're going to make me think about this stuff. Why are you doing this to me? 
I just cool, want more information. Man. I mean, motivational interviewing sound, sounds sounds like a positive thing. Is it? Is it? I feel like Kevin McCarthy or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, don't talk to me about that. That's okay. Sure. I, I threw it in there just because <laughs> we always do. Um, the let's see. I know I've got. I, I took pictures of the key pages of the book. The book is about how. Half, oh, two, three inches thick. I've still got it. That's one mm -hmm. of the books that I shipped to myself. Mm -hmm. You can find stuff on YouTube about motivational interviewing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really worthwhile because what are you really trying to find out? Mm. I mean, when you're interviewing, what are you, are you trying to unlock what they have inside, which is what we're really trying to do? Mm. And so, so as we go to the question course, so there's there's the interrogative question, and, and so you think about the difference. And this is a really good. This is where it splits in a lot of ways. Law and order, the old TV show, the Law and Order. So you got the first half of the show where they're doing investigation. Mm -hmm. They very seldom ask a yes or no question ever. Mm -hmm. They're just, what happened here? Oh, here we go with what again. Mm -hmm. When, you know, <laughs> when, where, all that kind of stuff. All that is all about gathering information. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's when you switch over to the order that the prosecutor comes into the room and wants to nail you down to a yes or no question. Mm -hmm. So it transitions from investigative um, activity to factual mm. fact but not fact gathering fact factual is i don't know how to explain that not truth that. facts uh, you so you're you're <laughs> you're burnishing away untruth right you're burning away untruth to get to a yes or no question because once you get to a yes or no question you've gotten down to a fact uh, you, uh, that for that person i ought to say that it's factual um, but untruth is not quite the right word is it no it's more of a it's falsehood no what is it what is the because you can't say well, untruth because then you got to think of what's truth right validity and all there's see there's, there's minefields all over this thing <laughs> but they're all logical minefields but they're little minefields that we don't think about yeah um uh, for example one of one of my one of my Personal insights, we may have talked about this, is the use of the word why. Mm -hmm. Why is split. There's two meanings of why. Mm -hmm. One of them is motivational. Why, what was going on in your head? Once again, what? Um, why did you do that? Okay, mm -hmm. so there's, if I ask you that question, there's two ways you can take that. Why did you do that? You go into your psychological reasoning and say, well, you know, I love the color red mm -hmm. and I look good in red and all this kind of stuff. Or why did you, why did you, I'm going to say, why did you wear that? Why did you wear that? And you go, I love the color red. I look good in red. Or you can go into the other why, which is more historical. And it's because my aunt Sally gave me a red sweater for Christmas. Mm. It's historical. Mm -hmm. Why splits? There's there's a split there. There's the psychological, motivational side, and then behind it, or uh, ancillary, which we can we can pick and choose which one we're, we're talking about is the historical, historical side. Uh, yeah, but I, isn't that I isn't chose, aren't they both at the same because the historical side affects the motivational side? I can't. That's a good question. I'm going. I'm going to defer and say I don't know. Mm. Because I, I what I did was whenever I finally came up with this, I started getting more particular about when I was using the word why, mm. and I, instead I, I, I kind of shift to how. Because I could have said what, but what what is, is still nebulous. I, I have no idea what what means. But why is like the center of? <laughs> but why is why the is it the of center all... of motivation? It's at the center of everything. 
Yeah, why is it the center of everything? Yeah, because you've got to know we're just we're just things. We're just the cause. I mean, that's essentially what you're looking for. What's the cause? Yeah. And why is one of those one of those things? Because what, not what, when and how makes no sense without the cause attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And that's always so why. That, I mean, and it's all—it's always in a why question, but which form of the why question is it? Mm. Is it the historical side of that where you're coming up? You know, why? Why did Americans come across the come across the ocean in 1629? Okay. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of motivation is one of those things. Oh, which reminds me, there's another there's a psychologist out of Yale and and he does the seven the seven question technique. Seven I, question I, technique. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is good. You can you can actually go find it on um, Amazon and actually see what the questions are. It's really it's really slick, mm-hmm. but. You got to hold their feet to the fire, or they will shift their questions and not answer the question. It's, it's a it's a motivational interviewing. This is part of motivational interviewing. I, mm. I didn't know it when I started, but as I read motivation, I said, "Oh, okay, he's using this to get to that." And it's a more refined uh, motivational inter- interviewing technique. Mm. Um, this, let me point for this. Thanks, Bob. P A N T O T A L O N. Pantalon? Like yeah. pants? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, I think he's Italian. Yeah, that sounds like an Italian name. Yeah. I can't think of his first name right now, but I'll. He's I, Joey Pantaloni, man. It's to- but Joey Pantaloni. <laughs> Joey, Joey, uh, Joey, Joey, yeah. Joey. Joey Pantaloni. <laughs> But it's it, like Joey it's, Pants. It, he incorporates the five. You know the five question technique, right? No, you know I don't. There's a five question technique. There's a seven it's question. The, it's the five. You, yeah, you're, it's the five you're illuminating why. me, man. I, I don't uh, even know there are te- techniques. <laughs> there's the five why. If you're a consultant, oh, the five why. I am yeah, familiar right, with. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I just I didn't say it the right way, but you're familiar because it's a part. Of, that is also a part of the. Um, Lean Six Sigma methodology. Yes. Yes. As well. So when I got this, I said, okay, but he's got it in there where you, where you, I need to, I need to send it to you. I'm, I'm going to stop right there and say, this is the course that I need to put my mind to and put it out there mm-hmm. and do something with it. I, I'm, I'm thinking the school would be a good one because I can imagine that I would be hired to do like corporate gigs and that kind of stuff. No, that's a good idea. I think that's what I'm going to do. Nice. So it's not going to be I, online. It's only going to be in person. Um, If it's online, I will hire a course designer to do it. I will not do it myself. <laughs> I, I, I lack the talent to do it, to pull all that stuff together. And yeah, but you, you already have one on Udemy. It just needs to be properly uh, yeah, marketed. Yeah. Well, you got to yeah. remember that how it's out of got date my is it? Face, it's got it's my not... face, and all. They wouldn't even. So one of the things that the marketing they they required that you do some of your own intros and mm-hmm. some of your own content. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I I recorded <laughs> this stuff for days. Uh, and so this is a story in itself. So I thought, okay. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to record these with all these different segments. I have all my old, I had my shirts there. So it looked like I could, I changed shirts in between segments and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But editing that damn thing was so bad. So I, like, <laughs> I don't ever want to edit video again. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Especially if you have ums and ers in there and you got to go in there and take those out. Oh, oh boy. And then you learn you don't want to be on the screen when you've got ums and ers or you got jumps in the screen. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's awful, awful. Um, <laughs> you got to train yourself not to um and ah. Oh, um no. and I, I have degrees in speech community. I can do this in front of a class, but in front of – so here's the th- – uh, <laughs> to get personality with the microphone, 
because I, I, you're in a room. You're there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Nobody. There's no energy coming from anywhere in that room. Yep. You got to uh, Other than yourself, you got to. That's it's, right. You're gonna be self-driven. Well, I'm not that self-driven. So what, <laughs> what I did is put on the microphone in front of me, about three feet away. I I cut a hole at the bottom of a picture of my mother. <laughs> and stuck the mic through, so I was talking to my mom the entire time. It did that worked. reduce? I mean, your, it worked. Did I that reduce your ums? Did you, did that reduce your I, ums? Well, and I eyes? can't. No, no, I don't think it did that. But it it did do it did do the thing about. I think it brought the personality where you weren't so flat. Mm. It gave you something. It gave you a thing. Now I, I kind of picked this up from customer service. You know where they have you put a mirror in front of you so that you are engaging with the face instead of just a voice. Yeah. And you can see yourself smiling and stuff like that. You're supposed to to be smiling online, but you know, I just trained myself like over the years of doing podcasting, you just have to, it's just a swap, right? When you feel yourself about to err and awe and whatever, you just stop talking it's silence, and the problem and an is, audience, is that it's so that. difficult. It's so difficult to just stop yourself from talking. I think that's right. that's a real tough thing. That's why a lot of people do it. I, I interview people all the time, and they're they're full of errs and ums and stuff like that yeah. because they don't know Wait. that a pause is okay. It feels like they have to fill every gap with sound. Correct. In an audience, I can do all that. Mm-hmm. With the video, with me and my mom's picture, I it was very difficult. Mm. Very, very. It's just I couldn't, I couldn't get the rhythms or or the. I guess that's right. I couldn't get the rhythms worked out where I would continue. I would continually speak because mm. I could do. You know, I've lectured many. Like I said. Uh, at the college level, I lectured over courses, not only courses, but courses out of that I was teaching. Uh, and I'm not, we're not talking about public speaking. We're talking about mass media and persuasion mm-hmm. and re- rhetoric and, you know, some complex, complex stuff where you had, you, you had to carry yourself with some kind of level of authority. I know about all this stuff. I right. can do it in front of an audience, but in front of uh, there's something you lose that you lose that. I'm going to say connection. That's not exactly what I mean. You lose that momentum or something that carries a conversation. I don't know how to explain it, but the minute you do, there's like a little thing says I'm talking to myself. That's that that's. You know, Did when you... you're in a room, you're you you as a podcaster have done interviews for years and years and years, right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. have that. I didn't have that podcasting thing to back up on. It does take time. It does so, take time to, it, to figure I, it out. I know it takes time. Yeah. Would you? As uh, go ahead in your in your classes, would you get feedback from your students, or would they just be sitting there silently listening to you? I, so that's that's a good question. Here's what I would tell them. I would tell the, the class what I was working on mm-hmm. to let them know that I'm working on on something too. Um, the most difficult one, one of the most, besides the ums and ers, but after a while they just drop away. But the most difficult one is to stand still, mm. not to move around. And I got that. I was watching New Gingrich a long time ago on C-SPAN or something. He was at the uh, the Anti-Defamation League or something like that. And he was going into the lion's den, which really, <laughs> to, to see that he was going into the lion's den. And he stood there, but he looks like a pinworm. Mm. He's just from one foot to the other. Mm. I mean, and it's a it, most people wouldn't have been distracting, but I have nonverbal and all this other stuff. And I said, he's really uncomfortable. Mm. And and you can train yourself not to do that, which is what I would tell the kids. I'm here today because I want to stand, stand still and hold the space. You're mm. talk, you're, so you're kind of talking about when you're with, with a group, you 
want to hold the space in case there are questions or something, you need to be able to hold the space and the silence. Mm. You've got to be able to hold both of them because you've got to wait and see if there's a kid's going to ask a question. Most of them don't, but you've got to get, you cannot rush that any questions and and then you, you any questions and okay there's no questions and you close it out so you can move on you you you've got to learn to do that and it's very uncomfortable for you to do that when you first start doing it, mm. it, it you're because you're staying um the uh, what the comics comics call it uh something with pain with your well standing up there with your dick hanging out <laughs> I mean, <laughs> have you ever thought of doing stand-up comedy classes? Yes, I have. And yes, I have. I've got books on how to do it. <laughs> but you've never done any classes. Me neither. I, I, I no, well, not not classes. I've not done any stand-up classes. I have read the books. I have done one stand-up routine. I've never told you about this. Oh my! God. You did a stand-up. I did a stand-up routine, and, and, and nobody recorded so, that, right? Did anyone? No, record it? no, oh. no, no. And the 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 situation was is the guy, um, the guy that was head of the uh, honors honors and scholarships office there at Texas A and M was moving to South um, Southwestern uh, University in Georgetown, about about 60, 70, 80 miles away. Mm-hmm. And so he was leaving and they were going to have a going away party for him. And they asked me if I, I was, a, I was a graduate student, if I wanted to contribute to the, uh, they were going to roast him, I think something, something or, you know, tributes, all that kind of stuff. And I said, no. And I said, I'm a communication stuff. I, I, and I personally believe humor is the worst thing to uh, communication that you ever have to do because mm. it's, uh, the feedback is immediate right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it either works or it doesn't and when it does not work you're eating crickets i mean truly you are hanging out there. Oh, anyway yeah. it is trial by fire so this guy wrote uh, in his thesis he wrote about the stereotypes of irish of the irish immigrants so I went over, found the book in the library, read some of the stuff, and that's okay. Got got an idea, and what I, what my stick was is I had some uh, Western Union telegrams printed out with the with the uh, messages from his former students from Mary Margaret Kathla, Kathleen blah 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 <laughs> really long items. You know, so I mean, politically correct. So I was playing the stereotypes to the because the book, the joke was the stereotypes of the Irish. So I was playing with the stereotypes, knowing that he should be able to pick up on this. Yeah, and I did about I did about five minutes of that, and the, Crickets? the I sweat. Oh man, the flop sweat was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I believe it. I got through it. I got through it. Uh, I I remember. I don't remember all the jokes anymore. But, but I remember. I remember one joke that I thought was just a throwaway joke. I just I nailed that guy so bad. <laughs> I have no idea what it was, but everybody, whatever I said, nailed him to the wall. You don't I, remember what you audience, said? <laughs> no, I I, I just remember. I was, I was so surprised. I mean, I thought it was a throwaway. I just, I was just throwing in because I thought it was a little funny. Right. But it must have been a characteristic of this guy, because the whole audience, everybody in the audience, just cracked up. <laughs> so you know, and I'm getting all excited about this right now, reliving it because I haven't really talked about this in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have done stand up. I, I thought okay, because as a communication person. If you really want to know where your audience is, you really do need to know how to use some stand-up techniques to, mm-hmm. to check. To we, and communicate, we call it checking in. You know, you got to check where your audience is. And oh, I just saw that we ran out of time. Oh yeah, uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs>
so so what are you working on give me a maybe we need a, I, I don't like accountability partners either but i guess i'm gonna have to find some mm-hmm. what are you well, working on me oh yeah. i don't have time to talk about that now oh uh, well put it on the board <laughs> what chris is working on because it's, on, I it's on the board for next week yeah okay put it on all the right board sir next week. have a good uh, one talk to you later talk to you later happy bye. new year by the way happy, happy new, new year, year to you too bye-bye we'll see you later bye to be continued on the next episode of Oddly Incorrect.